Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Oh, you did better than the nine. They're a little bit sleepy. But if you want more space, you could come to the nine. Just saying. It's good to see you. It's good to be together. Continuing in our series, We Are the Church. Andy started last week and um, reminded us a few characteristics of the early church in the book of Acts, the characteristics of a healthy church. And if you didn't get to hear that message, I'd highly recommend you go back and listen to it. Just so you know, all of our messages are on our website. You can go and watch them. You can also download them on podcast apps and listen to them while you run or exercise because you guys are all super fit, I know, and you do that. So it's always good to catch up on the ones you miss or share with someone else. But he reminded us about the early church that was intensely devoted irrationally generous, and irresistibly loving. And we're going to continue today and talk a little bit more about the church, about how we can be the church. What does that look like? What are our priorities? How do we align our priorities and be the church that God designed? And so, you know, I believe there's something so beautiful and unique and supernatural about the church. And when I say the church, I mean like the the capital C church, which is the church of Jesus Christ of all believers, gathered believers all across the globe, not coastline church, but the church in general. And so there's something supernatural about this body of believers. And that's primarily because it was Jesus's idea. You know that, right? That he instituted the church and he said, this is going to be my body. This is how the kingdom is going to come on earth as it is in heaven. He's going to usher in the kingdom of God through the church. And so that's what you're a part of today. You don't just come and sit in church. You're a part of something supernatural. You know, some people would say, well, yeah, church is a place I go on Sunday and I I hear some great music and Luke, he's awesome and, you know, the preacher is sometimes good and and I have some coffee and, and that's the place I go. Um, You know, it reminds me of of a young boy who came home from church one Sunday and told his mom, Mom, I want to be a pastor. And she was surprised, but, you know, happy and was like, okay, that's great, son. Why why do you say that? Why do you want to be a pastor? And he said, well, if I have to go to church every Sunday anyways, I'd figure it'd be more fun to stand up and yell than to sit down and be quiet. Hopefully, hopefully we're not always yelling at you. You know, I don't think we yell that much actually at this church, but... um, You know, we don't just go to church to hear great music or to hear preaching or even to get coffee. We are the church. And so that's what we're talking about today. How do we be the church? What does that look like? I'm going to use a verse um, from Romans chapter 12 just to set the stage for us. And a couple of verses, four and five, say this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So this is a challenge because as you look around, you see people that don't look like you, that don't act like you, that, that you may not have much in common with at all, but we are one body. We're many parts of one body. So how do we be the church with so many different perspectives, so many different backgrounds, so many different experiences? We need priorities. So they're going to keep us aligned. And so that's what we're going to look at today, some priorities out of God's Word. We're actually going to look into the book of Hebrews, a great passage to guide us today. And I'd encourage you to grab the Bibles in the pew right in front of you. You can follow along. Um, sometimes it helps to have it, have it right there. So that's why we have those Bibles for you. And if you need a Bible, we're going to give you one too. But um, Hebrews chapter 10 is a great 
passage. I'd encourage you to read the whole chapter, actually. It was so encouraging to me this week as I was preparing. But we're going to use verse 22 to 25 to find some priorities of how we can be the church together, four priorities that I see. So let's read the passage first. It's going to come up on the screens behind me. It starts by saying, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not, meeting, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the first priority, it starts right at the beginning with drawing near to God with the assurance of salvation is that we offer Jesus to everyone. In case you are wondering what our philosophy of ministry is, this is it. This is the foundation. We believe that Jesus is for every person that God created. And as you know, that's everybody. And so he doesn't exclude anyone. Um, he's not only for some. We believe that as Second Peter says um, in the Bible, that God doesn't want any to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance and come to an understanding of Jesus as their Savior. And so that's the primary purpose of the church. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. It's a beautiful promise that as we approach God in faith, that he's already done the work and he's always going to receive us. So maybe someone needs to hear that today, that as you come near to God, he promises to draw near to you. He's going to be there to rescue you. He's going to be there to be your salvation. And so that's that first verse in Hebrews that I read from says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and have our body, having our bodies washed with pure water. This is an invitation to all. Let us draw near. This is about salvation. And so this is the very first thing. And this is our priority as the gathered church. This is our priority at Coastline Church. And everything that we do is to elevate Jesus, to make him known, and to offer Jesus to everyone. So salvation is the first step on your spiritual journey. And what salvation does for you, maybe we don't always even talk about this. We just skim past it and assume that we know. But I want to be clear today. What salvation does is a couple things. Number one, in this passage, it makes you right with God. It sets you right. It talks about purification, um, being washed pure. And this is from the Jewish Old Testament principle that in order to enter into the temple to worship God, because he's so holy and we are not, that you have to purify your body. Now, in the New Testament, you don't have to purify your body anymore because Jesus came as the pure one to purify us from the inside out. And so... God, this, this salvation that Jesus brings makes us right with God through Jesus. It also gives us assurance of our future. The passage talks about the full assurance that faith brings. A couple of verses before, it talks about this confidence that we have to come into God's presence, confidence for our future, that we are going to be with Jesus in heaven someday. And we have that full confidence and assurance. The last thing that I see in this passage is salvation removes your guilt. You know, you are cleansed in your conscience. Your past is wiped away. Any guilt or shame that you feel is wiped away by Jesus. And can I just tell you that 
anyone living with a voice of shame or a voice of condemnation, that's not the voice of Christ. He has a voice of mercy and of love. And so, so this is our foundation. We prioritize people coming to Christ. We always invite people. You might wonder every Sunday, why do you say that same prayer? Why do you keep inviting people? Why do you invite people for prayer? And and to visit the next steps test because this is the priority of the church. And we're always gonna do it on Sundays. We're gonna invite people to Alpha. We run it two times a year where people can come and ask questions and have a safe space to learn about faith. We're gonna prioritize Jesus in the outreaches that we do, in the small groups that we have, in the personal relationships that we have because that's the priority of the church is to offer Jesus to everyone. And it's everybody's first step. I'm gonna share some stories with you today. I hope that's okay. Because stories are the best thing about the church, I think. The best thing that we can celebrate because everyone has a story. I wanna tell you about a beautiful woman in our church named Mohida. And she grew up in Islam in Tanzania. Um, it was a very oppressed culture for women, and she was a teacher, and there was a special oppression on teachers and on women and girls. She faced a tremendous amount of opposition, political pressure, persecution, and, and great personal pain. And so all of these circumstances led her to have to leave everything and flee to Canada for safety. She arrived here in Victoria um, last summer. And she was trying to find her way, and she was trying to figure out how to survive in this new culture and, and trying to find hope when she felt hopeless. And she met a woman who said, you know, I don't go to Coastline Church. I'm not even a Christian, actually, but I heard that that church has some free mini markets where they give away food for free. And that sounded like something that she needed. So she came to one of our mini markets that we put on all throughout the city every week, connected with our team and started interacting with some of our outreach team. They invited her to church and she started coming. She still wasn't a believer. She had a, a Muslim background, but she came to church and she says that every Sunday, no matter who was preaching, I felt like they were talking directly to me. Have any of you ever had that situation? I know a lot of us have. So many people come up after and say, that message was just for me. And I love that because that's the Holy Spirit. So he began working in her life. He began speaking to her. And then she, at someone's invitation, began to attend Alpha. And she began to learn more and have her questions answered and her eyes opened. And so through an understanding in her mind and a willingness in her heart... Wahida accepted Jesus as her Lord, and it transformed her life. She now is in a community of people who share her faith. She now has hope for the future, even though her life isn't perfect and things aren't all worked out. Her children are still in Africa, but God has given her a hope and a future. And that's why we prioritize Jesus, because there's thousands of people in our city like Wahida that need to know the message of his saving grace. Aren't we thankful for the message of Jesus? Yes. The second priority that I see in this passage in Hebrews is that we, as the church, hold on to hope. We hang on to it no matter what. Verse 23 says, let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Why is hope so important? Hope is the oxygen of our soul. We need it literally to live. You know, it's been said that you can live for three days without water. I've never tried. You can live for 40 days without food. Jesus proved that was true. But you can't live for a moment without hope. We don't have to look very far to see a world that is hopeless. 
to see that when we look around, we're not getting hope from any other source, are we? The world isn't offering us hope when we look at the news. The world isn't offering us any hope when we look at politics. When we look at the world system, it feels hopeless. My children come home from school sometimes and they're completely overwhelmed by this state of our world because they feel like they're inheriting a world that is completely destroyed and there's nothing they can do about it and it's hopeless. So good luck, it's not gonna work. And it feels overwhelming to them. And I know that's not the teacher's goal in teaching them about, about um, the world, but they, they feel this sense that the world puts on us that there's no hope. And so we have something different and we choose as Christians to hang on to hope because every Christian has a reason for hope, amen? We live with an eternal hope that's only found in Jesus. So we hang on to hope even when it doesn't make sense. And that's what I love about a body like this is you can hear all the stories of hope even when it doesn't make sense. I trust God, I believe God and we cheer each other on in that and we encourage each other and we're gonna get to that in a moment. The, the New Living Translation of this verse says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. I love that. Let's hold tightly without wavering. Like, we're not going to let go, no matter what. No matter what we see, no matter what the world tells us, or politics tells us, or the economy tells us, we have reason for hope, and we're not going to let go of it. And the reason is that God can be trusted to keep his promises. So it's based on him and not us. You know, Pastor Chris had the opportunity just before Christmas to take a team, a missions team to Thailand. And our global partners on the ground, they're incredible missionaries. And, and they help train the team over Zoom before they come to do missions. And one of the things they said is that every person who comes to do missions with us, we want them to write down and to be ready to share their hope story. And that might sound a little bit overwhelming or intimidating, and you wonder what that is, but that's basically what we would call their testimony. It's their story of how Jesus gives you hope, what Jesus has done in your life, your story, that you can succinctly and clearly share with somebody else. And that's part of the training, to go onto the mission field, is to develop your hope story, to write it down, to think it through. And I would say that every person that is a Christian in this place has a hope story, Maybe you've never had to share it or had the opportunity to share it. But I'd encourage you that if you have that ready, God's gonna give you opportunity to share it. You should write it down, practice it, share it with a friend or someone in your small group. That's a great thing to do in your small group is to go around and share your hope stories. Share the story of what God has done in your life. Because I wanna encourage us that that's a powerful testimony for the world around us that's looking for hope. The church is a house of hope. And this should be a room full of people who know the hope that they have in Jesus and are ready to share it. The third priority that I see in, in this passage in Hebrews is that as a church, we call people to more. Verse 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. That's like the heart and the hands, right? The, to serve Jesus, to encourage others. We're gonna spur each other on. This is an interesting concept. It's sort of like a cowboy term. Um, I, am, I am proud to say that we have a real cowboy in our family. My daughter knows. Um, Andy's oldest brother is a legitimate cowboy. He, okay, do you know what a farrier is? He shoes, there's a farrier over there. He shoes horses for a living. That's his job. So he's a total legitimate cowboy. He's tough. He wears like chaps and boots and a hat. And, and he told us this one time, he was like, I was shoeing this horse 
and it got really mad, and it wound up his leg, and it kicked me. And we were like, wow, like, that's awful. <laughs> you don't really want to get kicked by a horse. So we're like, what, what did you do? And he's like, I kicked it right back. <laughs> so he's a legitimate cowboy, okay? So I know, I know about cowboys. I know about spurs. He wears spurs on his boot, a little pointy thing on the inside edge to give the horse a nudge, to prompt it and urge it to move, right? It's uncomfortable, it's pointed, but it's productive. The spur is meant to urge something to move. The meaning of spur actually is to prompt or encourage. I don't know if the horse feels very encouraged when you hit it in the side with a pointy thing, but it certainly does prompt it to move. And so this is the language that we're using here in Hebrews about spurring one another on. So I want to spur you on today. I want to remind you that you can't stay where you are, that spiritual growth requires movement. And we're looking for a church full of people who are moving, who are spurring one another on, who are moving themselves and helping someone else move. I want to remind you that there's more for you. And you hear us say it all the time. You hear us talking about next steps. And, and you might wonder also, like, why do you keep saying all that stuff about next steps? And I should join a small group, and I should come to Freedom, and I should serve and come to team night. It's because we really believe that one of the priorities of the church is calling people to more, not letting them stay where they are, because God has more for you. And God has a journey for somebody else that actually depends on your movement. I'm going to tell you another story about a beautiful woman named Isabel. And she, several years ago, came to our church on a Sunday, and she came to a welcome party that we had afterwards. And she came with her family, and we got to meet her and hear her story. And, and after that, she began to feel drawn to this place. And, and she cried out to God and said, God, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, would you speak to me and tell me what do I need to do? And so what happened for her was she actually made a list. And so she decided, I'm going to write down the list of things that, you know, if God's real, then he's going to help me accomplish these things and do these things that I've never done before in my spiritual journey. And so her list started with, like, going to church every Sunday, some things she hadn't done for a long time or ever, joining a small group. She heard us talking about these things and felt like, okay, that's going to be a goal of mine. I'm going to, I'm going to try to serve at church sometime. I don't know what that looks like, but, but that's going to be my goal. I'm going to try to make Christian friends and I'm going to try to read the whole Bible. And she felt like, I don't even know if I can do any of this. I'm going to give myself two years and see if I could maybe accomplish some of this list. Well, six months passed, and she realized, I've accomplished my whole list. God's helped me, and he's brought me into this family, and I've, I've been moving and taking steps and doing all of these things. And so then one of the girls in her small group encouraged her and said, I think you better make another list. You better make a second list. And so with some sort of fear, she, she was like, okay, I'm going to make a second list, but I don't, I don't think I could even accomplish this list because it's much bigger. It's, it's um, bolder steps for her. So it's things like sharing her story in public and praying out loud, um, things she hadn't done before. And instead of attending the small group, leading the small group. And the last thing she wrote on the list was to join the staff at the church. And I'm pleased to say that Isabel completed all of those steps as well, and she's the amazing, bubbly woman in the cafe that runs our cafe team now. She's on our staff at the church, and she's brought her family along on this beautiful journey of next steps at Coastline Church, and we're so proud of her. You know, Isabel understands there's more for her, and, and because of that, you know, being on staff at Coastline is not the pinnacle of your spiritual journey. Just, just to let you know, some of you may wish for that, some of you really may not. And that's fine, but this is what God put in her heart. 
And now she isn't just sitting back thinking, oh, great, I accomplished all of those things. God's given her a new list. Isn't that just like him? He's given her a new list of new steps that she can take, and she's working on those now, and someday we're going to share that list. And, and I'm just so encouraged that she's realizing that, that you don't come to the end of it. You keep working with God. You keep taking steps. And more than that, she's now in a position of leadership where she can help others also take steps in serving on team and using their gift of hospitality to welcome others into the church. So in church, we're gonna call people to more, and we're gonna keep doing that. So I'm sorry in advance that we're always gonna call you to more because it's what God has for you. The fourth um, and final priority that I see in this passage is from Hebrews 10:25, and it's that we create community. Look around. That's what you have right now is a community of people, whether you know them or not. We're in community together. We're always creating community because we need each other, and it's God's design. Verse 25 says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The Greek word ecclesia is defined as a called out assembly or congregation. And so that's what we are. Paul uses this word um, for the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're the ecclesia of God. So we're not just a congregation or an assembly. We're not just a group of people that come to the same place every week and, and do the same things. We're called out. That's the most important part. God called us out to be the body of Christ, to be the bride of Christ with a spiritual purpose. And part of that is to create community for ourselves and for others. So we're the church when we come together. We're still the body when we go. We're all still each part that we are. Like that first verse I, I read, you know, you're still the ear when you go. You're still the foot when you go. You're the elbow when you go out of this place. But when we gather, there's something uniquely special and intentional about the body of Christ that's gathered. There's power there, and something special happens when we gather together. So I hope that you sense that on a Sunday, and I know that that's what draws people to this place, because every week I have people that come up and say, I just came into this place, and I felt something that I've never felt before, and it's the Spirit of God, but it's the community that's created by believers gathering together. So there's power in that. We do it when we gather on a Sunday in this large group. We encourage each other. We inspire each other. We learn from the word. We worship together. And there's power when we do those things. There's also power when we gather even in smaller groups. And we can be face-to-face. And we can be sharing our lives together. We can be doing life together. And so the result of all of those things is encouragement. This passage talks about encouragement. You need the church as a source of encouragement in your life. And the church needs you to encourage somebody else. You know, both of these ideas, spurring each other on and encouraging each other, you're participating in it, you're receiving it, and you're also giving it. So you're, you're giving a little nudge to somebody with your little spur saying, hey, I think that you should get baptized. I'm gonna be there to cheer you on. Have you ever considered serving on team? Have you considered that you've been in this group for five years, I think you could lead this group next semester. That's spurring one another on. And we're also receiving the encouragement. Someone's walking alongside of us and encouraging us, helping us in our journey. So the Bible says, all the more as you see the day approaching. The day that that the writer's talking about is the day of Jesus' return. And as we get closer to that day, we don't know when it is, but we know that things feel like they're getting harder. It's getting rough sometimes to live in this world. And it's hard to be a Christian And it feels like we just had this conversation in our small group. We said, you know, it's harder for our kids than it was for us. And 
And, you know, you think, like, your grandparents would be appalled at the state of the world right now. And it's easy to get into that space where we start to, to bemoan the state of the world and think, like, Jesus, just come back soon because I don't know if I can handle this anymore. And I just want to bring us back to the Word of God that doesn't say get together and complain as the day approaches. It says encourage each other all the more as the day approaches. We need the church now more than ever, don't we? And I just want to remind you of something that one of the women in our small group reminded us about this week, that we were talking about our kids, and she said, you know, your children were destined to live at this time. They were chosen to live right now, and God's going to give them everything they need. And I believe that's a word for all of you today, that that God chose you to live in this time. And he's given you everything you need to be the church and to go out and share your story of hope and to be an encouragement to somebody. It's not all lost. It's not all overwhelming and depressing. We have the hope of Jesus and you have exactly what you need to live in this time. You were chosen for this time. You need the church and the church needs you. So let's be the church. We need the encouragement that it brings. We need the encouragement there's hope for us. There's hope beyond what we see. There's more for us. Let's encourage each other in that. And that you belong to community. That we need you here. We're the church. We are the church. And the church, I believe with all my heart, is what the world needs. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. If you'd bow your heads and, and consider what God is saying to your heart right now. Because we know the Holy Spirit is here. We know he's speaking and he's working. And, and I would just take some of you back to that very first point that I made. That we offer Jesus to everyone. Jesus is for everyone. And maybe you got stuck right there because that's where you're at. And you need to know that Jesus is here to meet you today. He wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to give you hope. And so you can just pray along in your heart a simple prayer that, with me right now that says, Jesus, thank you for your saving power. Thank you that you died for me, that you love me so much and that you wash me clean. You give me a hope and a future. Forgive me for the way that I've lived apart from you and I wanna draw into your presence. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your sacrifice. And I choose hope. I choose community and I choose a future with you. And for others, maybe some of you are followers of Jesus, but you just feel like you've lost hope. And you need to be reminded that we have a God of hope. No matter what the circumstances say, no matter what the world says or the news says, you have reason for hope. Maybe you're feeling challenged and feeling spurred to take a next step. We want to help you with that. Let God speak to you about that. I love that, that Isabel let God speak to her. It wasn't others always telling her. It came directly from God. And so let God speak to you now. Holy Spirit, we ask that in this place you would speak to hearts, you would encourage us, you would spur us on in your gentle and gracious nature. Lord, we don't want to stay the same. We want to be the people of God, filled with the hope of God for a good future with you. Lord, we have assurance and confidence that you are good on your word, you are faithful and true, and you've, you've placed us in this time, in this place to make a difference. And so open our eyes to what you're asking us to do. Help us to be part of somebody else's journey to encourage others and to be the church. We want to jump into community. We thank you for this beautiful bride of Christ that you are creating and that we get to be a part of it. Would you bless the church? Would you bless every person and speak to hearts today in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen, church. Thank you for listening. I'm going to invite you to stand.
We always want to respond in worship because I know that God is speaking to you and that can just continue as the day goes on. And so as we worship, let this be a cry to God. Let it be an encouragement to your heart. We love you, church. So thankful to be doing this together.